Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah we've been recording. Okay. For a while. Can we get drinking? Because I've like I tasted the foam and I'm like, this is <laughs> I want to drink. <laughs> all right. All right. We, we better get this going. You better start the intro. Welcome everyone to the Solutions Brewing Podcast. We have a very special episode today. Our most dedicated listener, Ben, has come to visit from Ontario. Uh, Welcome, Ben. To uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> try our beer for the first time. So uh, we did kind of jumpstart this. We went for a little bit of a hike earlier today and and brought along the missing piece Blondale because it was a hot day and it made sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's tried that one. So now we're starting with the uh, Kiss Amber Ale. And a um, very simple premise for the episode. Ben's going to drink beer. Tell us what he thinks about it. And then we'll talk about whatever comes to mind. Yeah, um, exactly. You kind of got a taste of the rambling before the intro. <laughs> <laughs> we, we start every episode that way. So, like we're, we'll literally be talking the three of us on like on the online one, and we'll someone will go, "Oh, we should be recording this." Yeah. And get out, get out the voice recorder app, hit record. Lost whatever 15, 20 minutes of really good footage we had, and then it's like. Oh, now we got to actually do another episode. Crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when we meet in person, we just turn the recorder on as soon as possible. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you never know, like, there's enough blooper material to do, like, another podcast's worth of, uh, of episodes. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, you know, let, let's start with that. So you're on the hike today. It's nice and warm and all that. You, you have this uh, wonderfully crisp blonde ale. What did you think of it? Uh, I thought it was really great. I really like, um, I really just like those crisp, refreshing beers, uh, which was, we were talking, I was talking to Brennan today about, I was like, well, this kind of brings me to, uh, an issue I have to bring up with you because mm-hmm. you are clearly not a fan of Heineken. Yes. And, and actually Hot both garbage. of you guys dump on Molson Canadian, but I think <laughs> Molson Canadian <laughs> is a B plus beer. <laughs> no, I, 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 I think we probably agree it's with not that. Exceptional. It's, it's definitely a okay, B there's just two. Okay. There's a concept. Like, here I'd, of drinking I'd drink beer. it, but okay. would I choose to drink it? <laughs> okay. So if there was another the, choice, here's, here's the thing though. <laughs> there's two kinds of beers. Uh, generally speaking, there's, there's social beers, sociable beers, and contemplative beers. Contemplative beers are the beers you drink alone, and you think about what you're drinking. <laughs> and then there's the social beer, or you're just sort of drinking because you want to drink something, and you're around other people. And, I mean, Bolsa Canadian definitely is a social beer. <laughs> you're not going to order that and just, like, enjoy it. <laughs> so far, we agree. Uh, it's like, you're, you're going yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you so far. You're going to drink it, and it's, like, like, a hot day, and you're with other people. It just want something refreshing, and it gets the job done. Yeah, it's effective. It's a B-plus social beer. I, I, wouldn't okay, rank it, I wouldn't put it that high, though. I wouldn't put it at a B-plus. I put it at, like, a middling C. That, a middling that, C. A middling C. What a, is it about this? What is it about it? What is it? The that hints it's of this it, or that? What that it's it? literally like so. It is a, like a Molson is light, crisp, and refreshing, especially on a hot day and all that. It's it's great, but there's nothing to it. There's no body, and it's very light in flavor, and like you know, like most people, that's what I drank a lot when I started drinking. You know that I didn't know any better, and just since the world of flavor has been unlocked for me, I can't go back. Hmm. So like. So for, like, because we're pretty close, there's McMahon Stadium near here, the home of the Calgary Stampeders. Ooh, and go Stamps. Go Stamps. They really need to go this year. They're, they're not doing so great. It's because I haven't been to very many games. Yeah, they won the game I went to. Yeah, and we haven't been to a lot of them. You should talking about, but, more games. Oh, I should. I said. But, the, but the main sponsor of uh, McMahon Stadium is? Solutions Burning. I not wish. Yet. Not yet. I wish. Although, if there is anybody in the CFL listening to this, we would be happy to sponsor any team at a very... Well, 
we, we, we don't have any money either. So yeah. it's going to have to be an interesting <laughs> arrangement. But we'll, 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 we'll do it for, uh, was it uh, we, we would exposure? Love, yeah, there, <laughs> no, you have to pay us for the beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll have to pay us, but we'll give them a discount. Um, but the, the beer is Molson Canadian. So that's, you know, you drink that or Coors, uh, not Coors Light, but Coors Banquet or something like that at there. Although brought, Coors Light is available. It, it is. But, like, we drank that for years and all, and that's fine. That's okay. But the moment that they came out with, I think it's uh, Belgian Moon, which is, again, part of the Coors brand and bracket mm-hmm. and all that, yeah. I've now drunk exclusively that. Same price. You know, it's you know roughly mm-hmm. the same alcohol tent, but it's got so much more flavor. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah, can't it's, do it's the wrong the flavor lager. for a football game, though. That's... That's the problem. It's a, it's a little bit of orange. It's yeah. a little bit so, of so, so no, I, see, I, I kept drinking so the Coors Banquet. Even when, the, even when you are socializing, you're not concentrating on what you're drinking, you still need something with more full body flavor. Well, yeah. we still look for experience. it if it's available, right? Yeah. I like yeah. I'll, you know, maybe a lower percent alcohol for me, more, a little bit more social. But no, it's got to be something that's because, like, it's got to have that malt flavor. It's got to have mm. some characteristic of the grain that's in the beer. And that's the problem with Heineken. So, Heineken is the perfected beer. Like, it is, you know, found... You, anyone recognizes that green bottle or green can. They see that. They're like, that's a Heineken. Or one of the near knockoffs, like Bex or something like that. But then you taste it, and it's like, ew, and then there's skunk. <laughs> okay, I don't taste the skunk. Okay, but I was going to say, I'm not... Uh, I know there's, like, the four major components of beer, and I'm not super familiar with how each of them taste because I haven't been around them. I haven't, like... Well, especially the goat. The goat is the most important part of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, Fresh I feel like if goat. I were to smell each individual component more, I'd probably like be familiar. I'd probably know what it is that you're looking for. Um, but I'm not that sophisticated. But, but that said, it's like I really do like enjoying those like large. Uh, what's it called? Uh, mass distributed large <laughs> label <Yeah>. names, <laughs> which I think is there's a little bit of um, a lot of people like to dump on them because. When you admit to saying you like something that's mass produced, mm. you're kind of like it's a gauche. Yeah, you know. Um, but like, like that the, market, like eighty five percent of the beer market is still those big guys. So, you know, Coors, Kokanee, uh, Budweiser, Budweiser, all of those international brands, like that is still, or like actually a really big one now, Sapporo. Sapporo's been buying Blitz. They own a lot of the market now. Mm. Um, but yeah, those are all of those beers. Nice, light, clean, crisp lagers. That's mm-hmm. all, and that's what eighty-five percent of people who go into the liquor store—that's what they go choose. Mm. Yeah. So, like, I, I get that. I, I get that it's all that, but I, I just can't do it. We should do a in-person tasting sh- of sh- all these light, mass-produced lagers. Okay, okay, okay. Because we're complaining that yes, there's not a lot of flavor. Can we not only that, that not only, not only that. Tasting? So many years ago, when <laughs> Brennan and I lived together in university. I did. I read uh, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, Blink, and I challenged him to do a taste con- tasting test mm-hmm. of, of Coke and Pepsi. So what I did was I gave him a Coke, and he was blindfolded, mm-hmm. and then I gave him a Pepsi, mm-hmm. and then I gave him a third drink, which was either Coke or Pepsi, and he had to tell me which of the first two did it taste like, number one or number two. Oh, okay. And he couldn't get it right. Oh, yeah. So we very could do the same yeah. thing with your blonde, mm-hmm. Molson Canadian, Heineken, Really, it will really see what you think, and I don't have okay, to be that, here. You that, guys, you could do it. I could just that say the is challenge. Interesting. You, yeah, exactly. Because it, oh. it, what it does is it challenges you mm-hmm. to really accurately describe what you're tasting. 
so that you actually have to distinguish it, distinguish it from others. We can do, you can do the, which of these two beers does it taste like the most? And you're essentially reintroducing one of the original two. Yeah. Or you can just do uh, a blindfolded, give, try four beers. A, B, C, D. Yeah. Which one do you like the most? And, or, and beforehand you say of, in your head, which do you like the most? Mm -hmm. Actually try it and see if, your actual tasting matches to what you actual rating system you were yeah, Okay, it's a very scientific way of doing it, and yeah, I yeah. like it. <laughs> the truth will be revealed. The truth will be revealed. <laughs> the skunk, the skunk <laughs> reputation that you're applying. Yeah, no, like we're, we're going to do it entirely with Middle European bloggers <laughs> that come in green bottles. Yeah, yeah. and it's just going to be. It'll be like. And it'll be like, oh, no, this one tastes sweet. You can tell it. And it's like, no, it's the same fucking bottle, Steven. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, just going to be a Heineken. It's just a Heineken part. <laughs> yeah, screw you, Steven. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, oh, a, a little, little bit of a tangent Yeah, there. you could do, you could throw that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw, a little bit of a tangent. But let's, uh, let's, let's get back to, you know, the missing piece. So, it was nice, light, and crisp, you know, like. Yeah, it was light and crisp. We had it in one of those uh, Yeti cozies. Mm -hmm. We were on a big, like, a fairly decent hike. Well, I wanted to make sure that the beer stayed cold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was really the only way to do that. So I only had one cozy, so I had a slightly warmer version of the, the missing piece. But yeah, it was really good. Riley had his little water I definitely, cup. Cute. I definitely <laughs> think there definitely was water. a lot more flavor to it than, like, a Coors or Heineken. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But there's, um, I don't know if it's just me, but when I open, like, a bottle of... Molson or Heineken or Stella. There's just something about the smell of them that smells different than like craft beer. Maybe it's the can. Maybe it's the can versus bottle. But I don't know. There's also a pasteurization that all the the big ones will go through, which yes. our cans have not gone through. Okay. Which might impact a little bit of that initial flavoring, or that initial aroma coming off of the. And it, it also can. is a bit you know a bit of the aroma comes from the malts and the hops used so. When, you know, because generally those loggers, because they're, well, loggered, you know, they sit in a vat for an extra one to three months, depending on the process. A lot of those, uh, those malt notes and tones really get reduced over that time. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with hops, like there's hops in those beers, but they're not really prevalent. Like they're very minorly. Uh, in, they're in, added solely to balance out the, the sweetness of the malt. Yeah. So, like, so with that, like, you're not getting either of those, so you might be getting some more just more neutral smells or uh, just, you know, a little bit of what was left of originally what that beer was before it started uh, its process. So mm. could be, like, something like that. Yeah. But, yeah, and then Brendan is right. Like, most craft beers are not pasteurized because most craft breweries can't afford a pasteurization machine to uh, to do that once the uh, everything's been canned and everything. So most craft beers are uh, unpasteurized. And it's also relatively local distribution and all that stuff, right? So, the, so it stays relatively fresh and mm -hmm. all that. The beer's stale. Or not stale. Stable. The beer's stable, then sealed with CO2. So there's, there's not a lot of mechanism for... Mm -hmm there and then the pasteurization is just an extra step to really ensure that stability but if, if you've created your product correctly it's not strictly necessary hmm. That's good. that is interesting though hmm. then yeah like this the smell coming off of those when you first uh when you do those more commercial brews well now we got to add an aroma part to our blind taste test mm -hmm. yep nope we have to <laughs> yeah no i think there's just something different like but anyway yeah. 
Anyways. Moving on to the next product, which you'll taste live on air. Mm. Um, Quite the moment. The Kiss Amber Ale. Kiss Amber Ale. Actually, I really like the look of it already. It's almost like a red. What makes it, What's the difference between an Amber Ale and a red? Shade of color. Yeah, it's a shade. shade of color. And... If you go into the <laughs> so the what is it the BJCP or whatever the the beer, beer judging something guide beer competition judging something I don't know <laughs> um, but it's there there is certain flavor profiles that you'll hit with an amber that you won't be hitting with a red a red will include a little bit more of the roasted malts and will have a little bit uh, of a oh, okay. of almost n- not burnt but kind of getting towards that kind of finish on it. Whereas the ambers mm-hmm. tend to be a little bit less, um, they're they're a little bit sweeter, but a little bit less heavy on the malt. Hmm. If 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 that makes any sense, there it's kind of a, supposed to be a little bit more refreshing. Whereas the reds are starting to get a little bit more richer and kind of on your path mm-hmm. towards stouts and porters and and mm-hmm. the real dark beers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kind of like a sliding scale from you know a. a real pale yellow beer all the way to like something dark amber is still on the light side of that kind of spectrum yeah. or red's starting to get on the, the darker heavier part of that mm-hmm. spectrum so it's a good also point though the, the color job certification program thank you uh <laughs> the the color of the the kiss amber ale is definitely on the darker shade of what ambers would typically be in mm-hmm. um which is something that i always like to point out in the festivals and stuff that's an interesting point because it is a single malt single hop uh, beer usually for these darker beers you're combining a number of different malts that have been roasted at different temperatures to give the different uh, to add different complexities and different shades of color to the final beer this has just a single malt in it mm-hmm. um, which is a trade secret we obviously can't reveal on the, the podcast oh no we definitely um, cannot but typically you don't see that rich of a color from a single malt mm-hmm. usually you're using a typical base malt like a, a pale malt or a, a, a two row which is that like golden yellow color is what you get of that t- that that normal base malt. Mm-hmm. Well, like Brennan's beer has two malts, so this one's actually a less complex beer from the outset because it only has the one malt. But it uses a much more complex malt that then gives it not only its color but a bunch of different flavors because the malt is roasted for longer, mm. so because it is darker. But hence the keep it simple, stupid, simplest <laughs> beer recipe you can get. And you can still get something that's got a lot of complexity to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Yeah, it's about doing it well. Mm-hmm. You, you do a process well, and you can get a lot out of it. Exactly. Like, I remember this was from two, uh, two Edmonton shows ago, but we were right beside uh, our friends Grain Bin Brewing, and they also had an amber. <clears throat> and so we were just talking and all that. And I was like, yeah, here, like, we've got an amber, you have an amber, let's, you know, just taste and all that. And he's like, oh, yeah, what kind of malts do you have in that? I'm like, it's a malt. And he's like, it's a smash? And I'm like, yeah, no, it's a single malt and single hop. And he just he just looks at it. And he's like, yeah, mine's not a, his had three different uh, kinds of malt in it, and mine was still darker than his. Really? And, my, and I, no, matter of opinion, I think my flavor profile was better than his, too. So, but, uh, yeah. It's a it's a very interesting beer, yeah. Which we you will hopefully be rebrewing here very soon, <laughs> but in taller can format. Okay, so here it goes. I'm actually really anticipating this. All right. We wait with bated breath. <laughs> I really like it. Mm-hmm. It's not bitter, at all. Nope, it's really well. Like balanced. it's like um. That's the thing. I feel like you've talked about this a lot. 
or craft brews tend to be really hoppy mm-hmm. and bittered. There's like a little bit of the hoppy, but it's not none of the bitter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have that off-putting like I'm eating pine cones. Hoppiness. Although sometimes you want a beer where it feels like, like, yeah. Oh, it, I do. Yeah, yeah, I know. Some, every now and then you want that nice West Coast IPA that just a little bit sprucey. Well, a lot sprucey. <laughs> it's a lot spruce. Yeah, it's so spruce. It's like, oh, this is really good. Actually, getting back to Grainbin, they got their really good spruce dip beer. Oh, yeah. Which it is. Literally has spruce literally tips has spruce in dips it. in it. Very, very good beer, but definitely has that. that That's that. excellent. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you yeah. very much. But yeah, like it's for what it is, like it's, you know, a bit on the sweeter side and it's a bit on, you know, it's, but it's with the, the uh, hop schedule that I put into it. It was made specifically to make sure that, you know, the hops were there, but they didn't get in the way. And as a result, like this is just a nice, good, balanced beer. Yeah, no, it definitely is very balanced. Uh, I'm trying to like describe what I'm tasting. I'm going to fail miserably but does it is does it ca- caramely caramely that is one of the notes yes yeah yeah it's not too sweet um yeah it's really refreshing yeah, so it's, it's solid so it's actually interesting because this uh these cans have been around for over a year now sort of thing um you, it's very interesting to see how they change over the time because when this first came out it was sweeter it was a bit, a little bit on the sweeter side, but now that it's been in the can for about over a year, it's kind of mellowed out a little bit. And one thing that I've actually noticed, I was actually looking for some of it today, and they were out. It was so sad. <laughs> uh, new level brewing. Um, one of my last amateur competitions I did, I did that um, uh, pe- hot paprika pepper and pineapple sour beer, That's and I was looking to see if they had any left, and they didn't. That sounds quite intense. And it was, yeah, and it was, un- it was unfortunate they were. Out. Really? Yeah, it's it's really good. But is it's funny because the first cans of it were like the heat was on t- up to twelve, like you barely finish a can. It was so intense. Two months later, that the heat intensity had come down to about like a seven. So like if you drank the whole beer, you'd feel it right at the end, and you're like, okay, all right, okay, that's that's good. But like it just sitting in the can, like it mellow with time yeah. and all that, it mellows. So so okay, so this is you touched on something that I asked on your Instagram in the DMs. Mm-hmm. I asked whoever runs your Instagram account. Um, so damn in, it, Rob. <laughs> in Barrie, I live in Barrie, Ontario. Mm-hmm. There's a craft bottle shop there. So they don't make. It's not a brewery. What they do is they just redistribute all the craft beers within the Greater Barrie area. Okay. It could be from like Collingwood, Midland, Muskoka, like anywhere, right? Like Sounds massive. Like region. the Rising Tide place down the road. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. And they put a post, and it's like. It was like no Dave. It's like kind of one of those like uh, tongue-in-cheek, like kind of like it's almost political-sounding like posts. The guy's holding up a big cardboard sign. It's like no David, that uh, craft IPA is not really what it tastes. That 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 craft IPA that's been sitting on the shelf unrefrigerated for two months is not really how it tastes out of a <laughs> bottle, like out of a fresh bottle. Mm-hmm. So it's insinuating. It's, it's basically saying that <clears throat> when you buy craft beers in big stores, um, the way they store it might diminish the quality of the flavor. Absolutely. And uh, so if you compare that to the big mass-produced ones where they tend to get more of the refrigerated shelf, mm-hmm. uh, so you're not getting like an honest comparison between those. So so what you're saying with all of this stuff, it's settling on the shelf for a year. It's dramatically impacting the quality or the, yeah, well, the it's, it's been refrigerated for, for a year but so like the beer 
uh, the beer that was brewed and that I taste the day that it was basically canned and all that versus the beer that it is today, it's about 90% of that beer. Because like a lot of the, uh, the more sweet notes, and there's a little bit of sharpness on this originally, it's kind of mellowed out a bit over, over the time. And then when it comes to uh, IPAs and all that, so a lot of those flavors uh, are volatile. So they break down over time, oh, even okay. in even in the uh, presence of CO two, like it, and it's it, the hops and it, yeah, and it's the the hop oils yeah, that are added after fermentation. So they're they're the ones that add that that real hop aroma and that that specific or flavor juiciness. If you're having like a, a hazy one and it's got like all that kind of citrus flavors yeah. and all that, yeah. like those all those compounds are very volatile. So the longer they sit, even in a can or even in a keg and all that, they will they will break down. And uh, being chilled helps delay, like slow that process down. Being out on the shelf definitely no doesn't help. So the- and so eventually, after you know a, f- a fresh bottle versus one that's been on the shelf for three months, there will be a difference. Is it like night and day? Mm, probably not. It depends on the beer. Depends on the it beer. It really okay, does so depend on okay. the process and what they're trying to do. It's a, there is a similarity to the wine here because there are some wines that need to be drank and drink fresh and can't age and ones that really benefit from that few years of age. And it's the same mm-hmm. with beer. Is this Does this touch on the uh, that whole myth about having a Guinness in Dublin is different from having a Guinness in Canada? It, is it there is, actually a difference? And is it because of the shipping time? No. no. It's, it's actually a manufacturing location. So Guinness in Canada isn't made in Ireland and shipped over. It's actually manufactured, I believe, in Quebec. Uh, in Quebec. And I actually think it's, uh, it's been sometimes in Calgary. In oh, Calgary. I think it's been done in Calgary yeah. a few times. So it's they, they license, and it's the same with Heineken. Heineken doesn't do all their production in Amsterdam. They do their production locally. And dis- distribute from there because oh. shipping is, especially on a boat, is slow and takes a long time and is it expensive. So it's much easier to basically write a contract with a local uh, local uh, brewery, brewery, you know, because there's enough spread around. You know, sign an NDA, give them the, the special recipe, and they're like, here's what the water should be, and this is the yeast you should use, and these are the malts yeah. you're going to use. So they do a lot of work to make sure that their recipe is as precise and exact as it can be, but the ingredients are different. Yeah. The the barley is different. It's Canadian barley as opposed to Okay, so there's the actually barley. just different it's, ingre- it's all these all minute the, degree, different exactly. different ingredients change and the change the quality taste. Okay. Yeah. Also, is it also the case that they may make make changes according to the local palate? Is that a gen- thing? Gen- for the big recipes, no, because that's like their recipe. They usually don't want to, to mess with that. Yeah. But one thing that you'll see, especially out here, uh, you'll see like Guinness, and you'll see like Guinness Blonde. Oh, okay. so like so so the beer. So they won't necessarily make. Uh, they like, won't change Guinness, but they will distribute a second product. I see. That, They'll add yeah. in because there's a market for it. Yeah, that, yeah. that that was like uh, what was the the one that we really liked? Oh, Innocent Gun. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So Innocent Gun now has like five varieties. Like you know, some yeah, are finished yeah. in rum casks, and some are done this way, and that's sort of you thing. know. Now that I've been, now that we've been kind of going through this more, like mm-hmm. I really was a huge proponent of Innocent Gun when I first tasted. Yeah. I now find it really cloying. Yeah, it's it's very sweet, and it's yeah. got a lot of uh, vanilla and chocolate in it. And yeah, it is. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. very it's, sweet. Yeah, it's almost like a dessert beer. 
yeah, since yeah. it's so sweet. Yeah, we were we were living together back in university. That's when we were like, Innocent Gun mm-hmm. blew up. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 the first time you have one, you're like, oh man, this, this is, is the amazing. most amazing beer yeah, you've know, ever because had. because we're such suckers for sweetness in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love meeting like Indians from in South Asia and they're like, they, they go to these restaurants that cater to the Canadian palate or they sometimes they'll make them. Like in Barry, there's one that really ha- heavily caters and they'll like, it's like the chicken korma like this it's like this super sweet chicken curry dish and none of the actual south asians eat it yeah, yeah, it's like this is for the white palate yeah, yeah it's so funny white and they all palate. know it's like yeah you like that restaurant you like tara that's the that's the one for the white people yeah when, when you look around and you don't see a lot of uh, actual indians at the restaurant you're like uh, maybe this isn't uh, authentic <laughs> enough. Maybe this isn't uh, close. Yeah. Well, but I mean, if you like it, you like it. Yeah, right? if you like, like it, you like thing. it. If it's catering to your palate. I love it. I love <laughs> just it. Just go to it, are you? Like, yeah. It's like, like ginger beef and all these other things that we, in quotations, call Chinese food. <laughs> well, ginger beef was made in Calgary, so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, okay, cool. Interesting. So, it's actually kind of mind-blowing to think, like... It makes me think as though, like, the beer I'm going to buy off the shelf is actually going to be different. Mm-hmm. It's going like, to be different because, like, so, it's just so been on the all. shelf for an hour. So there are some that are definitely, you know, made in, you know, still the same brewery in, like... Well, and, and most in, most most beer is pretty stable. And, like, it's you're talking over the course of months on a, on a, on a refrigerated shelf, it changes. And most product is stored refrigerated and transported and put in fridges. And yeah. So it's not bad. But it, it, if you ever want to like test it out and see the best the best spot to get the the product as intended by the brewer is to go to the brewery and buy it from their tap house because that'll be the freshest product they have hmm. and it'll be exactly what they intended to interesting be, right? or if it's not it's not always the fresh because again i'm going back to prairie dog where they have their barrel aged stuff yeah so sometimes it'll be intentionally aged in barrels or something like that but it'll be this is what they want to serve this is the flavor that they they are intending this is what they're targeting Okay, one last technical uh, yep. question. Okay, Alexander Keith's India Pale Ale, the reason why they put, my understanding where they put a shit ton of hops in it is because they had to ship it from Eastern, Eastern Canada um, to India. It had this massive journey. I think most of the time it was going down under the southern, like, south, the, the horn, yeah. The horn of Africa, right? So being the reason why they, the, they put so much hops into it, to create this "quote unquote" India Pale Ale to have to help it keep over yeah, that distance as a preservative, as a preservative, but mm. the cha- t- but that's not to say the taste would probably have changed during the, that traverse. Well, it, it might have. So, like you know, you you basically say they so they would have made the beer and they would have like hopped the crap out of it during the process, sort of thing, and then they would have sealed it up in those casks, and they you know goes on the boat and again I have no idea how long it would have taken you know. 100 years ago or so or oh, I'm sure they ago. had fridges on the boats <laughs> <laughs> but by the time that got all the way down the the beer at the brewery and the beer that's getting unloaded at the dock in Bangladesh or whatever those are very different beers at that point so uh, because the again that first beer would be very hoppy like it almost you it almost wouldn't be drinkable but by the time it got all the way down to the port and got unloaded and actually drunk it would have been uh, probably a very pleasant pale ale. And they would have been, oh, like, we actually have beer. This is amazing. And they would have, you know, boosted morale and that sort of thing. Well, it would have been the beer they had. So even if it was 
<laughs> Sucking on a pine cone bitter. <laughs> they would have been happy to have it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And, yeah, very true. Uh, and the, having the hops in there meant that it wasn't going to spoil or grow something else that was going to hurt the guys. Yeah. When they finally got their beer. Because, mm-hmm. like, there's, you know, the two methods of preservation. Like, so there's, like, the pasteurization, and that's what the boil does. So the boil, you know, not only you put the hop oils into it, but it sterilizes the beer. So, you know, nothing's growing on it. But you throw it into a barrel, and you seal it, and put in a little bit of extra sugar so it ferments in there. And you hope to God there's nothing else in there. Uh, the hop oil helps as, you know, as a secondary, helps preserve it and make sure that it gets, it gets okay. all the way down. And that was the problem they were running into is that, yeah, they were on along the journey, you know, they finally get to port and just, you. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and they also can't seal their barrels with yeah. CO2. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of issues that we've solved in our modern society that we take for granted in terms of mm-hmm. uh, just food preservation and, and mm-hmm. transport logistics and what we're able to accomplish. Yeah. So. so with this one, smell the can really really good before you uh you take a drink oh yeah it's definitely got that coffee aroma to it mm-hmm. it's very unusual as usually stouts are not like that there are other like, coffee stouts, usually you know. yeah usually like stouts stouts run the gamut so i mean this one is an oatmeal stout but it's brewed very specifically to try to draw out those really heavy roasted malts and get that coffee aroma mm-hmm. and the kind of the the coffee aroma flavor <laughs> um out of it um, as Steve likes to point out at all our festivals, contains no coffee. Yeah. Done entirely oh, with... I was going to uh, ask, is there actual coffee beans in this? Nope. In Done entirely with uh, malted barley. That's fascinating. And hops. It's, this it's just... It's, yeah, uncanny how much it smells like coffee. Mm-hmm. If it weren't for the oatmeal, it would adhere strictly to the Bavarian purity, though. Yeah, but, it would have. But oatmeal <laughs> is pretty close, so... Um, there, there are other car- coffee stouts on the market. Some of them do add coffee beans in. Some of them don't. Um, I like to think that this one is a little bit unique still in, in, in terms of its flavor profile and how it finishes, but we'll kind of let you have a taste here and give your thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Again, we wait with bated breath. <laughs> That's really good, too. Mm-hmm. Usually, like, again, like, stouts are bitter, coarse. No, it's, it's solid. Yeah. It's smooth. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So it's a relatively low alcohol percentage uh, stout uh, for four point something, four and a half. Four point four, four point five, yeah. Um, which means it's it's a lot more approachable. A lot of stouts. So in kind of in the same way that IPAs, craft IPAs tend to go very bitter. Uh, craft stouts tend to go very high alcohol percentage. Yeah, that's true. And and they, they get these imperial, double imperial stouts. And we, we had one the other day, which was a, a 10% stout. Oh, yeah, that was from um, Whitecap Brewing in BC. Which which was good, but it's, it was like pouring syrup in the glass. It was yeah, kind of weird. <laughs> it, was, it was thick. It really? was a thick beer. So and we, we each had a couple ounces because it was like, well, we got to drive at some point. <laughs> um, but this one, like we, the, the stout here, the dark humor stout, we like to think is a very approachable stout. It's something that even we've, we've given it to people at festivals who argue, oh, we don't like stouts or all that sort of stuff. And then we just like we convince them to try it and they walk away and be like, well, maybe I do like stouts. Actually, it's just those, uh, like it's 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 an entry level stout or it's a very approachable stout for a lot of people. Yeah. Right. Um, a lot of people who really, really, really like stouts are mixed about uh, our stout because 
they they they're tending to look for that higher alcohol percentage or or stronger flavor or stronger flavor or more but, but this like smooth on the entry finishes clean i think you described it in one of our shows as like the perfect uh camping beer so you get up in the morning and you want to want to have a beer in the morning and you know get your day started like you drink a, a dark humor because it's you know it's a lot faster than making beer out camping or making making a coffee out camping opening the beer. <laughs> True. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. I was talking to Brennan about moving out here. Mm-hmm. It's like doing some outback stuff. Yeah. I was like, yeah. And just bring some, a six pack of this, leave it outside the tent so it can cool overnight, and then yeah. wake up in the morning and crack one. Exactly. There you go. Wrestle the bear off that's trying to steal your beer. <laughs> <laughs> Yogi, no. <laughs> it's not the average bear. <laughs> wow. Look out for boo-boo. Just don't put it in a picnic basket. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, it's solid. Um, I really like the blonde, and I love the amber. Yeah, oh, this is pretty good. Okay, so, so this is an important question. Which one's the favorite? Yeah, so what, so what is amber. the ranking? Do, do, do you want to try the blonde again? We can pull a can of the blonde out, so you can just... Well, you know, you know, Brennan's, uh, he's a little worried here, I think. I, I am, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go grab a can just to be safe. <laughs> I do? Okay, yeah. Um, I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking uh, it'd probably be the amber blonde and then this. Then the stout. Okay, you heard it first, ladies and gentlemen. The yeah. amber on top, followed by the blonde and then the stout. So, Bren's, Bren's not at here right now. He doesn't know what the ranking is. I, I, I think he's going to be really disappointed, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> is that, what's your what's your highest selling, how your biggest seller? Oh, the blonde. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Blonde by far. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. Here goes nothing. All right, yeah. Take, take another taste. Oh, do you need another glass, man? Yeah, I'll yeah, yeah, just grab another one. But yeah, so the if you look at our sales, um, the blonde has again its biggest surge in you know the spring and the summer because it's the appropriate weather for the blonde, um, and it tapers off in the winter. And the amber sells fairly consistent throughout the year, and then the uh, stout is definitely like there's some places that buy it, um, but it's definitely picks up in the. Uh, in the October, November timeline, and then basically dies off when it comes to March. Um, yeah, we didn't really realize this when we first started, but there is very big cycles for, for beers. Like, there, it, it's very seasonal and cyclical. Sort oh, of yeah. Thing. Well, and, uh, I, I mean, when we started, we didn't really know which of the three was going to sell best, right? Yeah. So it's kind of, we, we took a gamble. I don't know. We were, we were new. We, were <laughs> making, we didn't know what we were doing. We were doing. learning. We were, I was about to say we were making mistakes. No, we were learning. We yeah. were learning a lot. Yeah, and so, like, the big thing was, uh, like, we didn't realize it, but, again, beers are cyclical. But yeah, the blonde, just because it was, like, easy drinking and approachable, like, we had the most cans of it, and it was the first one that we re-brewed, because we just went through all those cans so quickly. And yeah, at shows... It's, it's very citrusy to mm-hmm. me. Like, I, I notice it now, especially after doing the stout. After the stout, for sure. It's like, holy Absolutely. crap, yeah, it just, like, it just jumps out at you. Yeah. It's actually quite good, but, yeah, I, I really, like... I've always loved reds. There you go. Yep. I, I, I really like the amber. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Brendan. Well, you're inside. Why well, is this like? Is this your bread and butter recipe? And is this and is the blonde Brendan's or something? Also, well, each, so each of us like, put in a recipe, and so Brendan put in his uh, blonde. The which blonde was, is mine. Yeah, but but yours yeah. is the biggest seller, so you got the pride. Oh no! I, oh yes, he does. His ego can't be conquered. Why does it matter? My opinion. 
destroys <laughs> the opinion of the masses, mass consumers. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're a good friend of mine from a, a long time ago, Ben. Your opinion, of course, matters a lot to me. But <laughs> Steve made a very good beer. So. Yeah. So, and, and that's, you know, it, it is what it is. It's everyone's preference. And, uh, it, like, going over all the preferences of that, like, you know, just, like, easy drinking blondes, that's what a lot of people like drinking. And that's, you know... 240 cases there's only 20 of the original batch left and we're almost halfway through the second batch with our uh, promotions and our uh, our other stuff so we don't, we have to rebrew that one again very soon <laughs> oh there's a good time for a shameless plug so we will be featured in the Sobe safeway flyer over labor day weekend coming up here pretty quick uh if anybody in alberta wants to buy some of the missing piece the local safeway Sobe should be carrying it and you can yep. actually hear or, or taste what we're talking about and hopefully drive repeat sales. Indeed. All right. Shameless plug done. Okay. <laughs> well, that was really good. Mm-hmm. It was delicious. Well, thanks for taking the trip out here, Ben, and being a willing participant in a podcast where we <laughs> fed you beer. And, uh, for this very special judged, episode. Judged your, yes, this very special episode. <laughs> yeah. This actually no. puts us ahead for, like, the first time in I don't know how long. Like, we're not going to have to, like, desperately that's, do that's, that's a right. podcast right. episode. Like... On the like, do it on a Tuesday. Make sure it's edited by Wednesday and or uploaded the, or, by or, Thursday. Or, or the one that Rob and I did a couple weeks ago on Wednesday night <laughs> for distribution. The freshest episode we've ever released. So yeah, no. So the, this this episode, well, the next episode will be stale by the time it comes out. Oh yeah, this one will still be pretty good. Yeah, this will be fresh. All right. Mm. Well, Steve, if anybody else wants to write in and contact us and uh, petition to be part of the podcast, how could they do that? Well, they can go to our website, solutionsbrewing.com, on which they'd find a form which sends an email to our email at noproblems@solutionsbrewing.com. They can also see where we're being sold and you know see our beers. And Actually, we're going to put up some new pictures here soon since we're slow, slowly moving to the tall cans. So we're going to revamp the beers section of the site here. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, also, you can find us on our uh, social medias, Instagram and Facebook, at Solutions Brewing Co. Perfect. Then there's one more, but I won't mention it. Very good. <laughs> um, and I, I guess Ben and I were chatting this week, and he had some great ideas. So uh, if there's any amateur Instagram photographers out there that listen to us, let us know who you are. We might have an idea for something coming up here pretty quick. So. Mm-hmm. And, I and think events coming up will be in Canmore here September 3rd. Yep, September 3rd. At Canmore Highland Games. Yep. So come see me in a kilt. It'll be awesome. And I hope it's not still 30-some degrees so I won't die. While it's, supposed to, it's supposed to break. It'll actually just be yeah, uh, it'll... perfectly pleasant 22 <laughs> years. Uh, and then Rocky Mountain Wine and Food Festival October 14th and 15th in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope to see everyone there. Indeed. Well, thanks, and, Ben. Any, no any, any parting thoughts? Words of wisdom? No, I'm just, it's been good. It's been a really good trip here. I think he's just happy to drink some uh, drink some beers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's really nice to actually have a nice amber. Help yourself. There's more amber in the fridge if you want. Cool. All right. Take care, everyone. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>